podcast exploring the world of fashion with the personalities that shape it. My guest this week is Maurizio Donati of Atelier and Repairs. With over 35 years in the clothing industry, Maurizio has helped shape the world of luxury and fashion as we know it. Whether it was helming Levi's Vintage Clothing, RRL, or working alongside Mr. Giorgio Armani himself, Maurizio's resume reads like a greatest hits sheet. We discuss his life growing up in Italy and how he stumbled into the industry. Last, we discuss where the industry is headed and how Atelier and Repairs is making something new with nothing new at all. Let's do it. Mr. Maurizio Donati, it is a pleasure. It is an honor. I'm so, so glad to be talking to you. Thanks for joining me on the podcast. Uh, how are you doing? Lovely. Thank you. So, Thank you for having me. Of course. Um, so you have quite a legacy. And I, I'm, I know that you're aware of it, but just for some of the listeners, you know, you have worked and influenced not just um, sportswear, but I think denim, which is also like denim in general. And I mean, you worked at Diesel, WRL, um, your work at Levi's Vintage Clothing. I mean, where you, we were talking earlier and you said you've been in the industry for over 35 years. That, that's that's just like earth shattering to me, and that's that's really special. How, where, and how did all of this start? Um, <clears throat> probably one of the worst students in Italy in the last couple of centuries. Yeah, um, I was not interested in 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 going to school. So now we early seventies is when I. Um, started changing from being a good student and a good this is in Italy in this... Italy I was born in Italy I was born in Italy in, in, 50, in 1957 okay so I'm, I'm 61 years old this year <clears throat> and um and I was um, a, a great student um what a, a no problem child yeah um where in Italy were you born in Treviso Okay. Like a fifteen twenty minutes uh, from Venice. Um, went to school. Good family. <clears throat> good family. Like very modest. Very humble family. My father was a was a steel worker, and um, and um, went to school. wasn't really interested. I mean, I was very good up to when I was thirteen, twelve, thirteen years old. I was very, very good. Very good student. And then something happened. So we're talking about 1971, 1972, mm-hmm. which was a, a wonderful decade, mm-hmm. uh, I would say, people say never apologize for your passion. I, I got very passionate about music. I started playing bass, guitar. Uh, I was playing sport. I played soccer, rugby. Um, I, 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 I did theater because I... Wow. You know, it's all the things... I You're had really done. finding yourself. <laughs> yeah, I think it's a little bit more clear now where I belong, but when I was young, I didn't know all of this. But I felt 
I couldn't articulate it, but I felt that I needed to try life. Yeah. And, um, and I took challenges. Um, I welcomed challenges. Mm. It wasn't easy. And I was a bad student, and then I, I, I failed uh, three years in a row as, as a student. So when, <clears throat> in Italy at the time, when, when you didn't pass for three years, you, you need to go to work. Mm. And uh, and I was like sixteen, seventeen years old. I started to work as a as a as a, um, a a metal worker, and I was a metal worker for three and a half, four years. But nothing to do with fashion, right? <laughs> so it was very hard work. Go to work at seven in the morning until five or six at night, and at night I was also cleaning offices because the money was <laughs> wasn't wasn't enough. So I, it was challenging for me being, having all of these ideas and <clears throat> all these activities that had nothing to do with profit, music, theater, uh, playing sport, because I liked them, because yeah. it, it was helpful to my life. At the same time, I needed to survive. I, I got myself at, at, at 19 years old with a son and a, and a, and a, and a marriage that... Uh, didn't last, last a minute and a half. So I, I had responsibility very early in my life. Yeah. And I, I hated to be a metal worker. It was a prison. You know, it was a prison. Particularly because I had dreams. I, I couldn't, again, I couldn't articulate where my dream was, but, you know, my city, the, 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 the town where I was born, I felt small. The, the, the this job, is all in your hometown still. Yeah. The, my, my, the job that I had wasn't gratifying. And uh, so it was dark. There was a little bit of darkness in those three or four years. There were a lot of not good things happening in my life, but I was able to make a change. I realized one day that I need to change. Like it's happiness, is, happiness is there for everybody, but you need to do some work. You need to look for it. You need to find it you need to really look deeper uh, uh, around yourself and inside yourself to find what moves you you know you you need to find your 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 gas station for energy <laughs> right right and i found and, and one day i woke up and and i was going to work and i met a friend um uh, and and he was a really good student i know that and and he said, Maurizio, you're so creative. You, you need to look for another job. Oh, wow. He said that. He said, I think you're not doing the right thing. You, know, you just look for something else to do. Why don't you come to <clears throat> interview at, at the company I'm working for right now? And he said, where do you work? And he said, I'm working at United Colors of Benetton. Mm. Which in the eighties it was a it was a it was a very interesting um, unique clothing company. Yeah, I mean they inspired <clears throat> Cuccinelli. Yeah, absolutely. And 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 that <clears throat> and and they are they are from my town. Oh wow! And so I went. You know, the same day I went to. They didn't have an HR. No, we're talking about nineteen eighty. Okay. They didn't. The HR, the lady that was that was uh, collecting CVs, right, had a desk 
at the entrance where the gate is <laughs> of the of the factory. <laughs> so that was the HR uh, uh, department, um, and um, she said, "Well." well yeah, we're we're looking for people. This company is is expanding. We need people, and I said, "Great!" And she asked me, "What do you do? What what is your expertise in including?" And I said, "I don't have any expertise. I'm a I'm a steel worker." Yeah. And I don't know why, but I think she was she was she was helping. I think she was candidly. I, I I feel that I was um, I was very naive. <laughs> I was very naive, and I never looked for. I never. It, it She's was, like, no, wait, you don't want to say that. <laughs> and and she said, you know, uh, tell me what you have done that could be applicable to. And I said, I don't know. I did some inventories. <laughs> okay. And she said, great. So we have a, a two jobs available in the in in our warehouses in Paris or in London. Oh. And I, <laughs> I was in shock. I said, it's, and I, I, I said, I think it's far away. I said, I think it's far away. I never, I never, um, I don't think I have a passport. I, she said, it's, it's fine. It's fine. I said, are you interested in, in moving away from here? And I thought about it. I said, yeah. I responded, are you sure? Thinking that this will never happen. <laughs> So you say, sure, of course. Right. I, I, and she said, can you come back tomorrow? Next day, I went for another interview with someone else. And, and, and right there, I decided, I, said, I think London is too far. Okay. I like to go to Paris. Did you speak French? No. <laughs> and, uh, and she said, right. Okay. Can you leave in 15 days? Oh, my God. And, and I sold my guitars. I sold all the furniture. I I sold everything I had, basically. I put everything in one bag and I took a train to Paris. And they were very gracious. They gave me a small apartment free of charges for three months. And they said, we give you three months to save money so you can, buy, you can rent your own apartment. And, uh, and I was a, a stock boy for about a year. So you got Good a bag. reset button on your whole life. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It was it was really it was really um a shocking uh a shocking experience because I would have never thought of leaving Italy, leaving my town for that yeah. matter. Uh and um and they realize um I realize you know, I took a train, it was like a 15 hours train from Venice to Paris and the Benetton office was right off Place de la Concorde, which from, from the train station, I took the subway, which was a, it was a challenge to explain, but right. uh, I didn't have the money for a taxi. So I, so, and, and, and the, the exit was Place de la Concorde, and I, and I got up and I, I, with a big luggage, and, and Place de la Concorde is, is probably bigger than my town. Oh my god! In, in Italy, <laughs> so the dimensions of completely changed. Yeah, and and so I and then I went and um, and I worked really hard, really hard, um, without having any attraction really for the clothing business. It was a job. 
It was a job. So, it was yeah, a... still a job at the time. Yeah. It didn't. It didn't awaken no, any. No. Okay. Still now. Okay. And we'll get to to this a little bit later in my relationship maybe with, with the clothing industry. Right. But I, <clears throat> it was a job. It was a better job. It was a cleaner job. I was in Paris, which was enriching. Um, it was. Um, I felt like I was in another planet. I felt, you know, everything was was incredible. It was very stimulating. Um, I had a I had a language to learn, and I have a bag with a a pair of jeans, three socks, one pair of shoes, something like that. So I had to rebuild my life, and I had a child that was given to me, given custody, mm. uh, that I left with my parents, and I told them they were amazing. They said, you go, we'll, we'll, we'll keep him. Mm-hmm. We'll keep him with us for a little bit, but remember you have a son. Get your life in order, come back, get him. Yeah. And don't forget that you have a son, so any occasion that you have, come back. So what I did for about a year, um, I worked probably every day, <clears throat> constantly, and one weekend a month. On a Friday afternoon, at 5.30, I will have a train from Paris to Venice. That will, and I, will, I will travel by train all night long, arrive in Venice around 11 o'clock. By 12 o'clock, I was having dinner with my, uh, lunch with my son. And I will stay with him for Saturday and Sunday until 5 in the afternoon. I will take the train back to Paris. I will arrive in Paris at 7 in the morning and go straight to work at the warehouse. Oh, my God. And, um, and that, it, um, you know, and, and that was... That was um, and it was very sad because I love I love kids first. I love my kids first. Uh, you know, my relationship with with, with children is um, it's I, I I found it um, extremely deep. I am a very attracted to the purity of of children. Right. Um, they are much more interesting than than older people. Well, the purity is gone, and it's, yeah, they're not tainted by the world. <laughs> and so I learn a lot from them. I, I learn to be to be a better person when I am with a kid. Mm. That was my kid, also. So it, sure, it, you know, it's a it was a it wasn't it, it was interesting. You know, I was young. I was like twenty two, twenty three years old. Uh, he was three at that time, and I had this. I needed to think about my life. Mm-hmm. At the same time, I I needed to, I, I I I didn't want to fail as a, as a, as a father. Yeah, and also it's I'm at that time I was twenty. I I needed to, to have work. fun. I needed to have to work. I yeah. I needed, you know, I didn't leave my twenties partying and and. I leave my twenties working and thinking about my responsibilities. Right. That was a, a little strange. So I became older, younger, mm. while being young. Okay. I don't know. And 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 those kind of experiences are really 
they're really powerful because you you will never go back. Yeah. Um. So I just I don't know if all of this makes sense, but no, I mean it does. I mean it sounds it's interesting because I think certain psychologically when a very um, intense moment occurs in your life, uh, you know, for example, when when I was younger, my older brother was wrestling with addiction. And because of my my parents, they they had to give a lot of the attention to my older brother. And I then see. then I had a younger brother who was just born. So the majority of the attention went to the younger brother to keep him alive. Yeah. And the older brother also to keep him alive. Yeah. And I think because of that situation, when you kind of have to uh like fend for yourself, it something you know like a, a, a almost an animal instinct kicks in in your body and it you it almost forces you to grow older much quicker yeah because if you don't adapt you will die yeah uh, and, you know and so i think maybe similar for you is you you need to be this father you need to be a provider you need you know and so you can't do all the things that you wanted to do i couldn't you know, do all the things that I was trying. I'm not saying our situations are the same, but mm-hmm. I'm I'm saying that, you know, in in that the intensity awakens a different part of your body that yeah. forces you to to grow old very quickly. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So anyway, from from there, from there, um, after one year of being a stock boy, I started working in in stores. So I had this experience of of working selling i learned how to do windows and um, how many years were you there i was in paris for three three years okay and then uh, benetton moved me to uh germany i was there for a year in stuttgart and um germany wasn't for me it was great professional experience but it wasn't great um mm. I didn't I didn't feel comfortable. I didn't it wasn't my play. And um and at that time Benetton was expanding in the United States. So I <clears throat> I made a phone call one day to our commercial director and I said, you know, I'm uh, I'm available if if, if um, I'm available if if there is any other opportunity outside Germany I'll be I'll be considering and say I have something perfect for you for that we are opening in the United States now. We are we are expanding in the United States. We we need people with a little bit of experience, and it's a, perfect. So I moved uh, in 1984. In August 1984, I moved to Nashville. Nashville. <laughs> <laughs> That's a big difference yeah, I, from Paris and Stuttgart. <laughs> moved to I moved to uh, country music town. Yeah, Welcome. It was How great. You doing? It was great. <laughs> it was uh, it was such an interesting. Uh, I actually liked it a lot. Yeah, it is a great town. It's a great town. It was it was great then. Yeah, it was great then, and and it's beautiful now. Yeah, and um, so I moved there, and for a year I worked in uh, in Nashville. We, we were opening nine stores in in Southern North Carolina, and Tennessee, and Kentucky. Okay, and my job was to open the stores, train the people, help them. It was a franchising system, so and then doing customer service and. Yeah. Helping them with uh, reorders. You were the and, ambassador. 
Yeah, something like that. <laughs> and uh, and after that, um, I moved to Miami. Mm -hmm. I moved to Miami in eighty five, February eighty five, and still with Benetton. <clears throat> still with Benetton, and uh, I work with uh, an a the, the agency, the Benetton agency for the Southeast. Okay. And uh, we had Florida, Florida, Georgia, um, and um, can't remember. Um, sure. And um, and we opened like seventy five shops at that time in in that in in those two or three states um, between children's stores and yeah. men's stores and it was um, Benetton was on fire. It was a wonderful company to work with at that time. Mm -hmm. And um, so I worked with them um, a total of of eleven years. <clears throat> I also became then. Um, so a commercial director for Benetton for the Caribbean. Oh, wow. And uh, we opened like 49 shops there in the Caribbean islands. It was a great, another great experience. And, um, and after that, um, um, I felt it was time to change. Mm -hmm. And um, I did um, maybe a year and a half of rethinking about um, life and uh, I opened a second-hand shop, so like a vintage shop, uh, at that time in Miami, Miami Beach, and um, I was uh, mainly military and and jeans, and I, I was tired of selling clothes. It was the first warning about my relationship with the fashion industry. I said something is not right. You know, I, I had a I had an issue with with Benetton expanding too much. Mm. Too many stores, too too much merchandise, too this obsession that uh, not Benetton but a million other every company has with growth and 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 sometimes just, just sometimes yeah. for no reasons. Yeah, you know when somebody is successful, stay there. Don't need to be extremely successful. Yeah, there's a limit to them. School, get a vacation, try something else, but. Um, be comfortable with, with a certain level of success. Right. You don't always have to reach the highest level. It's great to be number four. You don't have to be number one all the time. Right. Uh, one of my, uh, and then I, I had an opportunity to work for a company, for a jeans company that was uh, expanding in the United States. It was a new, new entry. In, 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 the, in the American market, but it was a really interesting company. It was called Diesel Jeans. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> this is 1994. Uh, and um, great people. Um, Swedish? Italian. Oh, Italian. Italian. Same region. Mm. Same region where I am from. A great company. I knew it from from Italy a, a little I had a little bit of an understanding who they were even though I was not living in Italy but I saw them growing here yeah. and in 90 I think 92 93 they decided to come into the United States and and in 94 I joined them I joined them as a rep for the 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 southeast okay and I lasted um, less than a year because the company moved me they moved me from from Miami to New York and I became the 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 retail director for diesel 
um, because they were expanding retail. They opened this beautiful shop on Lexington Avenue right across uh, Bloomingdale. Um, large store and um, and uh, and then there were we opened uh, one in San Francisco, one in Chicago, one in uh, Las Vegas, one in Washington D.C. Diesel and, at the time is becoming the biggest and coolest brand in the United States, it, and definitely the world. Diesel was it was an extraordinary brand. Yeah, it was an extraordinary brand. It it had. It was the most expensive jeans in the marketplace at that time. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Levi's 501 were like $32 at that time. And, and, and the, the least expensive jeans at uh, Diesel was 89 The crap? It was the new saddle. It was oh, cool. new saddle. Okay. And uh, it was an, um, a fantastic company with a fanta- product-driven company mm. with a phenomenal understanding of marketing. Yeah, I agree. I call it marketing because at that time it was called marketing. It, yeah. It's not, marketing is it, something else today. But, sure. but at that time, <clears throat> they, they hired the perfect photographer. They had a fen- phenomenal um, communication strategy uh, the, for successful living. They had sense of humor. Yeah, for successful is, living was their tag. Yeah. Yeah, a sense of humor. They have beautiful product. Uh, they were about characters and personalities. And I remember traveling with other colleagues, and we felt like we were rock stars. Mm-hmm. It was really interesting. It mm-hmm. was beautiful. Uh, we, it, it was a, it was a great team of people working together, and we grew the business. We grew the business in the United States considerably. Yeah. Uh, and very fast. Yeah, they were on every celebrity, every yeah. musician. It was beautiful. Yeah. And I stayed with them for five years. And after five years, the company changed, of course, with growth. Sure. Uh, new people coming in with different experiences. It's less about product. It was more about strategy and managing and, and looking at... Um, commercial strategies that made sense for the objective objectives of, of the brand. And I felt un- uncomfortable at that time. I wasn't, and, you know, I loved, you know, the, I loved Diesel and I respect that brand for, for, for who they were. Still now, I think it's a, it's a company that has still great potential, but I think they, you know, they, they're having some challenging moments and mm-hmm. it's all about identity. Mm. It's all about identity. So, you know, the, companies like Diesel, they can make the most beautiful product and uh, relevant, interesting, forward. Um, but there is an identity that needs to be rebuilt, I think. Yeah. Um, so, and they gave me so much knowledge. I learned so much, and, and I was surrounded by very intelligent people. Mm. And so I learned. It was, it was, if I went to school with Benetton. I went to college with the Diesel, <laughs> I, I felt. Hey, Sean, what's up? It's your brother, Jeremy. 
Hey, how's it going, man? Hey, I heard you were going on a trip and you were thinking about upgrading your luggage. Yeah, I'm going to San Diego next week and I'm thinking about getting a new suitcase. Have you heard of Away Luggage? Bro, you know I have. Right? They're my favorite luggage. I use my carry-on on all my trips. Yeah, it looks pretty cool. Yeah, well, the quality's pretty amazing too. All their suitcases are made with a premium German polycarbonate that's impeccably strong. The away luggage that I have, I've been using for over a year on dozens of trips. It still looks fantastic. Man, that sounds awesome. And guess what? Away is giving Blamo listeners $20 off their purchase. You visit awaytravel.com forward slash Blamo and use the promo code Blamo at checkout. What? Yeah. I'm definitely going to do that. But what if I get it and I'm not vibing with it? Funny you ask. Away offers a 100-day trial. You can live with it, travel with it. If at any point you decide it's not for you, you can return it for a full refund, no questions asked. Oh, well, I'm definitely doing it. Exactly. And guess what? They got you covered on shipping, too. All you got to do is visit awaytravel.com forward slash blamo and use promo code blamo at checkout. Nice. All right, man. Well, I hope you get yourself some nice new away luggage. Oh, I will. All right. See ya. And then, uh, and then I, I left. I left in 98. And then for a year, I consulted for a couple of companies. And then one day, um, surprising, <clears throat> a headhunter called me and he said, I'm representing Armani. And I answer immediately. I say, I think you have the wrong man. <laughs> I swear to God. I say, if, if you, if, you, know, I, you know, I will go diesel. I will go to work with, you know. Uh, T-shirt, jeans. T-shirt, jeans, yeah. uh, flip-flops. And, yeah. And, and I, say, if, I think you got the wrong information. I think I, I'm, I'm not the person. I say, no, no, no. We know who you are. You know that you, you, you were the retail director for Diesel. We are interested in, in talking to you. We, we want to make some changes. We want to. I said, sure. So I went. I went to interview with them. And, uh, and I was hired after a couple of months. A couple of months? That's a long process. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. I, you know, there were. Few things happening at the, at the same time, sure. but you know it's obviously probably for a relatively big role then. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I was hired as a the executive VP of Emporio. Oh, and at that time Emporio had eleven or twelve stores in the United States and five oh. restaurants. Oh my God! It was a it was a, a beautiful concept. <clears throat> Needed some energy. And I think I realized why. Maybe they were looking at people like myself. Maybe they wanted some new ideas, some, uh, a different way of looking at product and merchandising. And I don't know. I, did, I didn't know, but I, 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 I knew they were looking for something different. Mm. Definitely they found something very different with me, I, I, I suppose. I didn't, you know, I never walked inside an Armani uh, store before. I had... I, I thought it was a suit company. Um, Same, yeah. And, um, and after a few months, um, after a few months of, of working there, um, I started having conversation about product. And, uh, and Mr. Armani one day said, um, I think you should... Uh, Giorgio Armani. Yeah, yeah. Oh, my God. Okay. 
uh, he said, um, I think uh, you should spend more time in Italy and, and, and work with the design offices and, and, and bring some ideas to, to the table. And, um, and that's what I did for five and a half years at Armani. I basically tra traveled the world and, and brought samples, ideas, and concepts, and color charts, and, and anything that could inspire the design process. Um, they also had other people doing that also, but, you know, I, I, I was doing it full-time. It was my full-time job. Right. And um, so I went from a very sort of technical job, like managing stores like Diesel, to a very creative, a very free uh, format of working, uh, spotting ideas and, and, and trends and... And uh, reporting to and Mr. Reporting Armani. And reporting back to Mr. Armani and his teams. Mm. Um, I would present to him maybe a couple, two or three times a year, but that, it, it was, um, I had no meetings to go. I had no daily responsibilities, but I had seasonal responsibilities to bring I, things to inspire. Yeah. And, and, um, and it, was, it was wonderful. It was um, difficult to explain, also because it's it's a it's a job, not a job. Interesting. So you you really look deeper on what could inspire others, and translate that into a company like Giorgio Armani, that was very different from where my background was coming from. Yeah. So I I had to mediate a little bit i had to i have to be servicing that brand not myself how did that make you feel i like the idea of servicing i like the idea of helping others i like the idea of of providing help support uh, adding ideas to already some great ideas mr money and the Armani company didn't need me. Mm. I, I, I think, but they. You think that they didn't need no, you? No, I, I thought I was part of a community of people that were bringing information to the company, mm. which which makes me feel very good. They, I don't think they needed me. They needed people like me to go around because big companies don't have a lot of time. People working in design offices and in, in, in creative roles, they are so consumed by, by the work, the daily routine, that even when they travel, they are not neutral in their thinking. Mm. So you go, you go to Tokyo, you spend a week in Tokyo, but if you have stuff to do in Milan or in Paris or in New York, you're on the phone, you need to send emails, you, you have a meeting that you... You can do research. You, can, you cannot look at society. You cannot look at social changes while you're consumed by problems at home. Yeah. And maybe my job was not to have any problem at home no responsibility and store visually and everything that I could see that I could bring to them. Interesting. 
I think that I'm... Well, it sounds like you were needed then. <sighs> I mean, if, if I you're the person who's doing that, that, it sounds to me that that's vital to a company. I don't think... I, n- n- yes, yeah, absolutely. But it's, it could have been someone else. Ah, well... Yeah, I think so. <laughs> I think so. I think that I was lucky to be there. I, I was lucky to maybe to to, to uh, challenge the system and say, maybe your company, this company should do more, should be, should be looking at something. If, if you want newness, look elsewhere. Yeah. And, and I think I was good at offering maybe that and, and saying, and criticizing a system that was, that works. Any company has that desire to evolve. When it becomes too big, not necessarily, it's the case of Armani and any company in the world, it becomes, it becomes, companies become societies. Yes. They need governments. They need lobbying. They need consultants. I mean, there's a few companies that are on the tip of my tongue that I could think of. Yeah. 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 You read about them all the time. Yeah. So I think that when they become societies, they need um, they need the internal gorillas. They, they 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 need um, they need someone or something to bring them to the core mm. and forget about the politics and the, and 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 the, and the commercial strategies and say. Why are you? Why are you here? Yeah, and um, and maybe that was my my thing at that time. Is I I I, I thought that that Armani could have been a larger idea. That was what I thought. Mm-hmm. Of it, and my role there was to service a brand that was extremely successful that I had the most respect for. But I saw that I want I wanted to be an element of of innovation, if you will. I wanted to bring more than what they needed, so I would have made some people think. Yeah. Something, something like that. It's something, Maurizio, something that's really interesting to me about your story that you've been telling me is it never sounds like you were going for a particular job anywhere. It, mm. it feels to me that you, you kind of just put yourself out there mm. and almost like in the world, like you just a very free spirit, for lack of a better term. And and you just kind of saw where the world took you. You had all while staying, you know, true to what you wanted at the time, which was to be true to yourself, mm-hmm. to, you know, integrity feels like it was very important to you, which yeah. is also feels yeah. like why you started to to be maybe a little bit apprehensive as companies got too big. Too big. And you know, and I, I want to talk about what you're currently doing, which is uh, Atelier and Repairs, because I think it 
everything makes more sense now mm. to me about <laughs> your brand because I've, you know, we were talking earlier. I've, I have three, four pairs of your jeans. I have a shirt. I have Thank a jacket. <laughs> oh, no, of course. I mean, I love the product. And I really get it now be- mm. because this, this brand that, you know, that you've created is, it really feels like it's just you. It's, it's the embodiment of someone who has spent, you know, 35 years in a clothing industry and has seen how brands have gotten really big and maybe lost sight of who they were. And so for you, that it, it feels like, and you can correct me on this, that, that if that ever happens with your brand, it's over. And, that, and yeah. you're, you're seeing that that's never going to happen. This is uh, very interesting you say that. Thank you. Thank yeah. you. It's, it's spot on, by the way. You're spot on. Um, I was very, very happy to be and lucky to work with all these companies and their founders and, and Ralph Lauren came after that and then yeah. Levi's came after that. I had a wonderful career. I have a wonderful career. A lot more than what I could have ever dreamed of. But I didn't realize that there was a malaise in, inside me. Mm. And it was, I was part of a great brand, great companies, great projects. But um, I never detached from myself being a human being and being uh, sensitive to things that we do that might not be right. Um, so, Your internal compass. Yeah, yeah. So I started to learn about things. Then, then I became a consultant in 2012. I became a consultant. I worked in, in several projects. And, and I, I became aware even more. When, when, when you're a consultant, people confess People, people, people and companies and brands, they confess their sins, their, their ideas to you and hoping that you can solve some of them or you, or you understand them. Realize some, you, you feel like you're a, um, like a geisha. Interesting. You don't sleep with a geisha, but you talk to her <laughs> and you feel like you are listened to. Somebody's paying attention to you. Right. And uh, so, with, with that in mind, you, it, I realized that my malaise, my, my being uncomfortable with something that I didn't know at that time, it, it became apparent to me that the, the clothing industry system is broken. And, and, and first of all, it's, it's, it's a wonderful idea. The clothing business is a wonderful idea of course we need a roof to yeah. protect ourselves from rain that's why we have a house and then sometimes it's cold so we need protection f- for our legs mm-hmm. so we invented pants <laughs> yeah or jackets and it's 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 a home for our body and then our body also need a roof so so it's it's a, there is a primary need of for, for wearing clothes 
for protection, mm-hmm. for survival. But the business is so big. It became a business that is so big that is incontrollable. Our industry produces 150 billion finished garments a year for a population of 7 billion people, of which probably one-third of these people cannot even afford to buy one piece a year. And we have been doing this for decades. The accumulation of textile, finished garment, and yardage, rolls of textile in the world is is such that you cannot even inventory it. It's, It's anywhere you turn, there is leftover. There is overproduction. There is stuff that has been made and it's sitting somewhere unsold, right? Just because we wanted to sell more. After working 35 years for other people, I had this idea of doing something for myself. But I realized at that moment that I didn't want to do something that didn't make me comfortable going to sleep at night. So I needed to do something with value. Uh, and something that I felt good about about doing. And I said, I, I want to commit to not producing anything new. Because there is enough there, already made, that could be transformed, re, re, re-engineered, mm-hmm. repurposed, what, what, that, that it's there and we can actually create all the things that a brand do. Season, collections, and color, and assortment, and sizing, and deliveries, all of that can be done with items that already exist. And I started, I started that and realized that the biggest supplier in the world is leftover stuff. <laughs> and there is a lot of finished garments, and there is a lot of textile. Yeah. So Atelier Repair, uh, Atelier Repair's idea is to uh, regenerate things that already exist, leftovers, not necessarily vintage or used. There are many companies that have old stock uh, that's not trendy anymore that, that can be repurposed. And the other thing is that we can actually also design into textile that it's that it's left mm-hmm. so we can design into those 2000 yards of margin of, of 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 fabrics that are there and that you can cut a thousand pants and make sure those pants are really well made so they last a long time so it it's the idea is it's it's to is to work two ways one with garments that are already made and 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 then with leftover fabrics there is enough of both. And there is enough creativity, which is the other component that Atelier Repair is like, I don't want to compromise on creativity. Creativity in many companies is a cost. Mm. It's so sad. So sad. Creativity should be enhanced. Yeah. We should, we should, we should never stop of being creative. 
big companies should be big in ideas, not to contain them. Mm. Instead, it's a cost. You know, your design office is too expensive. You have too many designers. I get that. I get that. I understand that. I understand when a design team is not effective or, 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 or in need of being regenerated. Yeah. And I, I don't believe that a designer or a creative person should stay with the same company all their life. A creative, a creative, a creative mind gives everything any second, with or without a salary. That's what creativity is all about. I have an idea, and I want to just tell everybody. <laughs> yeah. right? No, you. I want to do something yeah. that I think is innovative, or I think it's of value. Or, or innovative, or crazy, or artistic, and I want to do it right now, regardless if, my, if I'm paid or not. Mm. That's what creativity, the services, creative, creative person should service the world. But then there is, you know, then there is being creative as an artist, which you make one piece and then you sleep for three years. <laughs> yeah. And then there is art for commerce. Hence, a clothing designer or, or a graphic designer, and you are paid to make pants, to design T-shirts, and, and so forth. Which today, uh, I don't even know if there is a need of a design office as we know it. I mean, today there are companies that are clothing company, cre- luxury brands, uh, creative companies, product-driven companies that function because there is a stylist in mm. the house not because there is a great designer yeah okay that's so true. The, the, nobody's sketching you know there are, it's very difficult to find a designer that have an understanding of fabrics or can cut a pattern that that art of knowing how to the, the Yves Saint Laurent or the, the, the the Dior, the great couturier, don't exist anymore with few exceptions. Yeah, Few exceptions. Everyone else is a stylist. It's, there are people with opinions and ideas that influence the assortment of a brand. And they're very good at putting things together. I gave them that. Yeah. But, you know, you have... Luxury company wanted to be jeans company. A jeans company wanted to be luxury brand. Yeah, I mean, just constantly pivoting. Yeah. Do you feel that Atelier and Repairs is almost your way of maybe you felt convicted by what you were doing for so long in the industry and this is your way to kind of like make amends to that? I'm not sorry for what I have done. Yeah, I I don't think you did anything wrong. No, I, 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 I believed about what I was doing, working with all the the companies that I worked for, Mm -hmm. until the last second I was with that company. Mm -hmm. I only left in very good terms, and um, and uh, I had wonderful relationships and. 
respected everybody, and I was respected. Yeah, I mean, your name definitely precedes you. I, I don't have any skeleton in my clothes. Yeah. I think I have maybe a couple of broken bones here and there, but <laughs> I don't have any skeleton. I think I worked very hard, and I, I, I gave myself... I always committed to myself to be a, if a good leader or a good worker. Yeah. And I, I, hope, I, I hope that I didn't offended anybody or, or I never screamed at anybody. I never... Um, Led by fear? No. Yeah. No. Absolutely not. The mis- maybe the mistakes that I made in my life are because I was too prudent. Mm. Because I didn't follow my instinct. Well, it sounds like that's what you're doing now. Yeah. Now, right now, I'm uncompromised. I'm. I'm. Uh, I don't design anything. I do things from on the in in the moment. Yeah. I, I don't have any commercial strategy. I just look at sourcing. Say, how many secondhand white shirts do I have in the store in 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 my warehouse? And I say, okay, let's. Let's think about what we could do with it. I, I think the thing that I like the most about your brand is, you know, we were talking about luxury. We were talking about, you know, what brands want to be. And, you know, I, I have a shirt that's hanging in this room that I wore yesterday. That's mm-hmm. one of your shirts. And that, why I love your brand, it ticks every box for me. And I would say Thank it you. does for a lot of others. And the fact that, you know, if you want, and and let's be let's be serious. For some people who are buying luxury pieces, they want to buy them because other people can't, or they want to mm-hmm. get them because it's yeah. exclusive. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And when you're making the products that you're making, and I I want to be clear to the listeners, they're in most cases they're one of one because mm-hmm. they're they're individually handcrafted. Yeah, they're all one of one. Yeah. So <laughs> it it you you nail it when you're. You know, I can buy a pair of jeans that I know, you know, I have a couple pairs of jeans. They're not the same. Mm-hmm. They're not the same as other jeans. And if someone wants to say, hey, I, I saw Jeremy wearing these jeans. Can I get him? No. No. And then <laughs> <laughs> it gets a lot of people unhappy. But yeah, but that's the commitment. That's a com- I don't yeah. want to do two things that look that are the same. Yeah. I respect brands that do that, but I'm not a brand. That's, mm. that's the context that I don't want to... You're I, an idea. I am an, I'm an initiative. Oh. I'm a project. I, 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 Atelier Repairs is nothing else than a creative solution to world's excess. So there is a 50% creativity, one of, one, uh, uh, one of a kind. Mm-hmm. And the word excess is my supplier. <laughs> yeah. Your leftover is my inventory. Yeah. My inventory is, is what I could be using to, to find a, a creative solution that will make you feel unique. You know, we, we, that's what humans are. We are 7 billion people in this planet completely different from each other. Yeah. So we have different personality. The pants that you buy, that you bought from me, it's maybe the pants that found you more than you find in the pants. Yeah. 
is that is the same concept when you go to <clears throat> the flea market, a flea market, and you want to buy a vase, and you ended up buying an ashtray, <laughs> and you don't even smoke. <laughs> it's because the ashtray found you. Yeah. Right. Yeah, I agree. That's the beauty of of shopping. Is a is a you go around and and all of a sudden something speaks to you. And sometimes it's food. Sometimes it's uh, is is a picture. Sometimes it's an object. Sometimes it's something you wear. So it's there is enough in life to let life leave leave you L- live live you. Yeah. Instead of you living life, life is wonderful. It's like, oh, look, look, everything you want is there if you want it. Oh wow! If you see it, it's there. Yeah, it's there. Maurizio, this is a really really beautiful conversation. I I I can't I can't thank you enough for your candor and also I I think you know the more I I'm talking to you it feels to me that you're you're a philosopher and 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 I, and I mean that in the utmost regard thank and, you and so I I think you've definitely challenged some thought processes I've thank I've you. had and and I really want to thank you for that no I thank you for giving me an opportunity to learn a little bit more about myself. Thank you. This was this was an honor. Thanks so much, Maurizio. Thank you. All right, take care. You've been listening to Blamo. Our theme music is by Tan Lines. If you like this episode, there's tons more to listen to at blamopod.com. Listen to Blamo on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. While you're at it, tell a friend and leave a review. It helps let others discover the show. Follow us on Instagram at Blamo Podcast or send us an email at info at blamopod.com. Still want to connect? Join our newly launched Slack group and chat with other friends of the pod. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you in two weeks. Summer break, everyone. Take care.